This podcast is a production of WCWP, LIU Post Public Radio. Check out our lineup of original programs, listen live, or support by visiting WCWP.org. This is Anand Vanigala, and I will be your host for the Letter of Liberty podcast, where we welcome guests to discuss literature, liberty, politics, news, and potentially all that is under the sun. Our guest today is Matt Goldstein, a student at LIU Post who is a criminal justice major. So, welcome, Matt. Thank you, Anna, for having me on this station today, and it's a pleasure. I can't wait to talk about what our topics will be today. Excellent. So, the topics that I discussed will involve your high school experiences, your experiences at Dowling College, and your later experiences at LIU Post, which is right here. So, where would you like to start? I'd like to start out with my high school experience. Excellent. So at Long Beach High School, where I went to, I graduated there in 2013. I was involved with the SAD Club, Students Against Destructive Decisions, Be the um, Israeli Culture Club, and I was also on the Long Beach High School track and field teams my junior and senior year. I was involved in the high school swim team from freshman year to senior year, and then I was also involved in the track and field team from freshman to senior year. Long Beach High School is a great place because it was on the water. It was very beautiful. I loved the campus. I loved the people there, very friendly. And it's a beautiful campus. We had views of New York City. You can see anything because on Ryan Reynolds Channel, which is the north side of Long Beach, because Long Beach is a barrier island, and we're surrounded by the beach ocean in the bay. So our high school luckily happened to be on the bay. So it was a very nice place. I did a lot at the high school. I also did um, an internship there in my junior and senior year, which was work in the dean's office, which I created myself, which is a big deal, and now people are doing it as well in my in my footsteps, they're following it too. So I've created, um, when I left there, my legacy was I created an internship in the dean's office, which was never heard of before until that year of junior year. Fascinating. So you took on a creative role in your high school, and how does that feel? Do you feel like you've connected with your creative self over time, or...? Yes, I feel like I've started a lot of stuff that no one has ever would think of I would do, but I was really proud of that accomplishment. And discipline office is a kind of ties in the criminal justice because when the discipline office were dealing with kids who are troubled, who come from like impoverished families, what have you, and we ca- I would call that a metaphoric jail cell because kids are sent there in the discipline office from from doing bad things in class, like doing destructive things and they're sent there for like the period and then they go home and then they go back to the next class the next period so you've seen this personally happen i've seen a lot of stuff we've even we've seen a lot of stuff we had to bust the room up because they were kids were smoking marijuana in that room this is in school suspension room we had to bust up for all places which is i never seen would imagine that would happen people would break stuff in the school suspension room but we had to bust that room up because there's a report of marijuana coming out of that room, which there was, so it's terrible, but wow. crazy stuff. The high school was a very crazy place. We always had, sometimes, it was a great school, but also we had a lot of police arriving there because it was a diverse high school. We had a lot of kids from all over the place, and it was sometimes we needed the police there because there was kids who brought snuff drugs in, alcohol in, and they needed the police to intervene, so... When you mentioned it was a very diverse high school, I've heard some people argue that diversity would lead to a higher rate of crime and that the solution might be for less diversity in society, whether that be racial or ethnic or even cultural diversity. What would you say to that? 
I mean, Long Beach is a very diverse place. We have a lot of like African American, Hispanic, a little bit Asian kids because we have a lot. We have we're a very diverse neighborhood, Long Beach. We have a lot of different cultures, and it was it was it's sometimes it depends what you think of it. Sometimes you can't really just judge based on race that there'll be a crime. I mean, every culture has a bad person in their group, no matter what, no matter what religion you are, no matter what race you are, you're gonna have a bad group of people. It's not just, you can't discriminate because of those groups. You just got to say that every group has some bad seeds in it. Cool. So how do you think we could minimize some of the potential problems that we see in diversity? Do you have any ideas? I mean, the people who are like impoverished, who are come from like one parent households, we can have edu- have them have do programs, like after school programs, a lot of activities for them so they don't have to end up in like on the streets or getting in trouble in school too much, they should have more stuff for them in the schools. Hmm. So when you went to Dowling College, what major did you pick or did you not pick a major immediately? When I went to Dowling College, that was my only choice because I couldn't get an AR school besides National Community because I didn't do so well on my ACT because I bombed it twice because I wow. stink at math and reading, writing comprehension and there was staff at the SAT due to my terrible math skills. So... Dowling College, I chose that school because it was right on the water, because I'm from Long Beach, which is right on the water, too. It was on the Conoquat River. Dowling College, I was, I just wanted to be education major, but my advisor said to me, don't do it because teaching is very hard. You got to do lesson plans, deal with Common Core, kids, and a lot of other stuff, and a lot of crazy stuff. And when I, so instead of education, she said, I'd rather you do general professional liberal studies would be a better major for you because professional liberal studies what it does is you can choose any major you can go any career anything and do anything you want really if it and also hospitality would be is a good feel for me because i love working with people i'm very, i have years of customer service experience because i've worked since i was 14 years old in customer service so i think hospitality was a good feel for me at that time at dowling what happened was sadly dowling college shut its doors in 2016 due to the financial situation, $54 million in debt, which was really unheard of, which was unimaginable. And unfortunately, the school closed unexpectedly and abruptly, and it really made a lot of students and staff scramble. It also forced a lot of students to go to school out of state and, and like even leave the country, and it even made some professors scramble and leave New York State to go find jobs. I know a professor, one of my science professors, had to move away to Texas to find a new job. That's how hard it was to find a job in our university around the tri-state. They had to go out of the state. And the Dallin College, it screwed a lot of students over because some kids who had like 90, were almost done, lost all their credits once they got to their new institution, which is insane. And a lot of what, they didn't handle it very well. They told us too little, too late, as they say. They said, they told everyone at Dowling that they told they said that we're closing on like May thirtieth, and like what they should have done was they should have told us in like April or March to tell us that school is not going to exist next semester. Please start finding other institutions now, because someone like me, I didn't know where I was going to go. I thought for the whole fall semester in twenty sixteen, I was going to be collegeless. I was going to be out of college to go to because every class in every place around Long Island, around the United States, was probably filled up by then. All the freshmen came in. I would have had to wait. But luckily, I'm so thankful that LIU Post took me here at the last minute in a squeeze. They took me under their wing, which I'm very thankful for because if it wasn't for this, I looked into other schools, but I chose this place because 
the the learn support program is amazing here. The ARP program, and also that the staff is very friendly here. The campus is beautiful, and this is very nice campus. People are friendly. I think this is a very I think this is a great experience. I like this school better than Dowling College, even though Dowling was nice. Let me tell you that it was. I made a lot of friends there. I went to some sports games. I was part of the history club. I was also part of the the, the Oakdale Hall Council. I was part of a lot of things at Dowling. I was also I also ran two years on the cross country team there at Dowling as well to, for two seasons for my, in my sophomore junior year. And then it was in Dowling College. Unfortunately, had to fall apart. But you know what? When as they all say, when one door closes, another door open. And I've always wanted to go to school, so my dream was fulfilled. Nice. So, when you picked the criminal justice major, what motivated you to pick that? Was it out of interest for the subject, your own experience? Um, well, maybe I, when I first started at LIU Post, I chose pol- pol- political science because it was the election. It was the big election year. I wanted to get involved in politics. I wanted to see what it was going to be like. And it turned out politics that was too hard for me. It wasn't up my alley. It wasn't for me. So I chose criminal justice because it's easier. There's a lot more jobs in the criminal justice field, and I love law. I'm a, I binge watch on Law and Order and Chicago PD because I love those shows so much. And even though I don't want to be a cop, I want to go into clientele investigations. I want to get out of school in, in Wall Street to investigate white collar crime, like investigate those criminals, and want to see what's it like because we want to bust people, stop people like Bernie Madoff for stealing from fraud on people on the wall street so that's why i chose criminal justice because i love law enforcement and i love this stuff love watching police action i just love it fascinating so <clears throat> what would be your advice to someone who's considering criminal justice who might be listening to this podcast who might be looking for a major if they want to get into criminal justice what should they expect well criminal justice expect like obviously to like do a lot of work and in your senior year you're gonna have to do a practicum which is an internship whether in like the police department around here in the courts somewhere that has to do criminal justice and i'm gonna be doing my internship next spring in the nassau county district attorney's office so looking forward to that nice do you have any opinions on what some of the biggest issues in the country are from your background in criminal justice what i the biggest problems right now is a lot of terrorism and a lot of like racial issues a lot of racial tensions with certain cultures there's a lot of movements out there and like the me too movement's a big one right now something at gender law class and we're talking about a lot of sex women getting discriminated against sexually harassed in the workplace and this is a big been a big problem this year of all these stars that i've known i've watched over the years getting accused of sexual harassment which is Disgusting. I mean, and then the stars who have made the claims that they were harassed, like Uma Thurman and Salma Hayek. Apparently, she ran into some serious problems with Harvey Weinstein when she refused to sufficiently bend to his will. Yes, she did, and it was that was disgusting. Obviously, I mean, who would do that? Seriously, it's been done since the history of mankind. So I wouldn't have been totally surprised that this happened. Regarding Harvey Weinstein, when I first heard of him before these allegations came up, I always thought of him as a kind of Oscar bait peddler whose intentions stood in the way of genuine filmmakers who kind of prevented them from making the art they wanted to make. 
For example, with the film Bon Joon-ho's Snowpiercer, I remember Harvey Weinstein wanted to Americanize it in some way. Thankfully, he didn't, and the film was better as a result of Harvey Weinstein's failure to Americanize it. And Bong Joon-ho, the quirky South Korean director who made the film, kind of won as a result. And I think we have a fascinating film as a result. If you have any time, you can check that film out. Gotcha. I'll definitely do that. What are some of the things you've gotten involved in when you came to LIU Post? Well, when I came to LIU Post, um, I joined the Hillel Club, the Jewish Organization Club. I did YAL for two semesters until YAL, um, what do you call it, like basically fell apart. Like YAL being Young Americans for Liberty. Yeah, Young Americans for Liberty basically deteriorating and falling apart and moving out. Um, and also, I'm a big fan of the LIU Post women's soccer team and LIU Post women's lacrosse team here. I love going to sports games. It's my favorite thing because we're lucky enough to have a sports field right on campus, whereas my last school, you had a sports field 20 minutes away out in Brookhaven East, which was a And with whatever issues that might come with having a sports field outside of campus, you'll have to book it, you'll have to arrange your times and whatnot, whereas you have a sports field on campus and you have eliminated a few issues as a result. Yeah, it's like five minutes away. You can just the hop, skip, and jump from the dorm. So I like that feature on campus. I wish all college campuses had a sports field right on campus instead of it being 20 minutes away. But you know what? I'm happy. I love the Pratt Center. It's my favorite, one of my favorite buildings to go to on campus because it's a, the pool is beautiful. The pool is salt water. It's nice and fresh, refreshing, relaxing. And I've become very involved. I'm like, I said, I love like being a spokesperson around here, telling everyone the news on Snapchat, what's going on. And it's just really, really exciting campus. I love it here. I just love this environment. love the athletes. love everybody. Everybody is really friendly. And you can't ask for a better experience, right? Nice. So besides the women's soccer team and the women's lacrosse team, have you ever found anything that attracted you? Any clubs on campus? I like Be a Change Club. I'm vice co-vice president of you at Be a Change Club, and I love that club so much. That's the article I joined here. I've expressed love and positivity, kindness. I feel it's very, very open and very, it's very inclusive because I like that. Because to be honest with you, there's a lot of clickiness on this campus too. That's the only other down, the only downside I have to say is there's a lot of, you, there's some groups who like will tell you to get lost. Some people will tell you can't sit with me. It's a lot of clickiness, and to be a change club is a is a safe haven for people who are feeling left out, ostracized, which I experienced my first. Oh, we said on um, post. I felt a little like kind of left out because everyone was with their friends, blah, blah blah. And once Be a Change Club opened up in November, I joined the club and I felt like it's a second family to me. Be a Change Club, besides the sports teams. You could say I have a similar feeling when I first joined in and fall 2016 and became the first founding vice president. And now again, I share the vice presidency with you, Matt Goldstein. For my listeners, Be the Change Club is a student club that was formed in fall 2016 at LAU Post by my friend Adam Silverstein. I'll give a shout out to him. And I shared a position with him. He was the president and I was the vice president. It was a kind of offshoot, if I have to say it that way, of Challenge Day, which is a much larger thing. And regarding your feeling of being left out, I do tend to see that fraternities and sororities kind of dominate the whole thing, in a sense, dominate the social life to an almost ridiculous level. Yeah, I feel you on that. Just especially when you go into the fishbowl. It's just I can't even. Eat, I have to eat lunch somewhere else. <laughs> it's not to be. Not to be. It's just. It's just, it's true facts. Like you can't. 
go in the fishbowl because everybody's they overrule i mean i want if i want to make this place better we got to try and find a way to like maybe open the fishbowl everybody let people besides who are not who are outsiders sit there because there's been a lot of problems that have been aroused because the fishbowl and of course some some solutions what i've done for example is sometimes navigate myself through the fishbowl or whatever area the frats and sorority people are hanging around I find an empty space or a space with a familiar friend. I mean, that's one solution you can do before a bigger solution comes in the w- comes. Yeah, you, I've, I've seen some people do that, but I, rather pref- I like prefer sitting out there and the other side with the, the athletes on that side. But I've, I've sat in the fishbowl for events. It's not like the fishbowl's never open. We've been in the fishbowl for be a change events. It's open, but... It's the op- general atmosphere, if you had to say it. It's very, very, the general atmosphere, it's dominated by sororities. It's like their stomping ground. Just like, it's kind of like there's like different areas. Like, for example, is like the Pratt Center is dominated by athletes because that's their house. But they don't, you can walk in and go exercise. It's a public building. But the fishbowl is kind of a way that needs to be improved on campus where they can, people should be able to sit different people. It shouldn't be less. So it's a bit of a de facto thing rather than something official, which is how I tend to see things are. It's just a thing that's, it's only, because only, they're only there on, Four of the seven days a week, seven days a week, the fraternity's there because when you go on the weekends, it's you can just sit there. In the summertime too, obviously, it's they're like a doornail, nobody's there. But that's the area I've got to. We want to adjust, and that's the area. Have you ever been interested in Greek life while on campus? No, it's not for me. Anything in particular, or it's just not for you? It's just not for me. The things you have to do, the old commitment time. You'd rather just be one be the lone wolf, which I saw on a YouTube channel because they said some fraternities and sororities, they make you do this, do that. They make you do certain... Like hazing, they call it. Yeah. I mean, they're claiming on this campus that they don't haze. And for a moment, I was almost interested in joining Greek life. I decided not to get into that, partly because I have other interests at stake, partly because I kind of bristle at the notion of having to pay some thousand or hundred dollars to be part of the club. I remember one fraternity person said to me personally, you got to pay to play. Pay to play being pay your dues to play with sorority girls. Yeah, you got to pay you gotta pay money for this. And also, make, you make you live in the suites, which I'm not, I don't want to live with so many people. I need my privacy. And that's why I have my own room. But also, just the people there and just the, the what you have to do, you hand it all the time where I'm like, I got homework doing the library. I got my sport. I got the sports games to watch. You can't. I can't just you don't get a lot of free time. Let's just say when you're fraternities and sororities. That's and of course, in my case, I have a position at the newspaper, the school newspaper called the Pioneer, and I'm here recording this podcast with you. And also, I'm vice president of the Change Club, also in Hillel. I also have the ARP program, my tutoring hours too, and my counseling hours, my nutritionist hours. There's no way I can commit to a fraternity. That's one of the reasons to I quit the cross country team at Dowling my second year because. It was too much of a commitment. And also, in a lot of these sports teams and like fraternities and sororities, there's a lot of like a lot of people who can be very mean to be mean. And when I was on the cross country team, I was bullied on the cross country team. Right. Two guys were not nice to me. And like I've seen it happen on sports teams. People aren't, there's behind what goes on in that locker room. There's a lot of, there's a lot of meanness that goes on. A lot of, a lot, when I was a soccer team, like there's a lot of, I've seen, like any team in general, there's a lot of stuff that goes on behind the scenes. And a lot of I've known is not good. A lot of people are getting yelled at in the locker rooms. A lot of people are getting... Yeah. Coaches are yelling at them. The coaches aren't friendly. 
it's a commitment because when you're on the sports teams here, you do, what do you say, two practices a day. You do a practice in the morning and then a practice in the afternoon on top of all the schoolwork you're doing. You're here to get an education. You're here at college to get a degree, not join a sports team. Uh, the only time I would have stayed on the cross-country team if I was on a scholarship, getting money, or if I was getting paid a paycheck every time I did a practice or ran a race, I get a nice check, then I would have stayed. But it, they're not paying you to do it, which is another issue I've heard in an English class I took here last spring. Should the athletes on the NCAA get some money, get paid, because they're here four years, they're working. Maybe they should get some money, actually. They should. I agree. I agree with you. Especially, especially since professional sports people get paid for their work. And they should get paid here. That's why I would have joined the cross-country if they paid me some money. I would have but because just for volunteer, I was, and I was getting very upset on the team. There's a lot of stuff that goes on. Like these sport, the cross country team here, which I was thinking of doing, I jumped to join here. It's hardcore. They, they don't let you just walk on like down, just walk on. Here you gotta be from, you gotta have an awards. It's very, very tough here. And the and the coaches are very, very strict. You're talking about in Dowling or in Post? Dowling is walk on here. It's You gotta basically have some experience, have awards in high school. They don't. It's very tough, and they're very competitive. They do two practices a day, once in the morning. And then they'll make you do winter track, spring track. I'm like, nope, not for me. On a side note, when you said that you see a lot of things going on behind the curtains, would you care to share a story for our listeners here? I mean, I can tell, like, I don't want to sound. I don't want to, I'm not going to say anything. But You don't need I, to share names. I'm not going to share. No, I'm not going to share. But I've, when I eat the athletes, I see sometimes they're very, very upset sometimes maybe because of schoolwork i feel like when i get i get nervous i make assumptions why are they talking to me then i realize oh there's stuff going on in the locker behind the scenes what's going on there's something that happened yesterday with the coach something happened here i can tell like when there's a bad when something's happened in the locker room because like behind the locker room there's a lot of drama that can go on in the men's team and women's teams a lot of drama saying this why weren't you here da 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 why didn't you like me why didn't you share my post i'm just imagining what they could be saying i've never been into a locker room of that sort so i can't say with utter experience what that's like i think you can say it much better than i can i mean i, don't, I haven't gone in any locker rooms here i mean i've walked through the locker walked through the building where the locker rooms are but i don't go inside a locker room because i'm not allowed in there i'm not an athlete but okay. e- even the men's room that i'm going to because i don't want to get them a little upset i'm not and then I don't want the coach yelling at me either because there's a lot of there's, there's a lot of stuff that athletes get upset with like their workouts are too much, and they're it's mis I was miserable on the cross country team because I was overworked and all that so yeah, and one of the things I've noticed sometimes here and there is that sometimes people don't have time to do their reading assignments or read what they might otherwise like because they have a lot of work to do and I wonder if that. The intensity of the whole thing takes a toll on not just your academics, but I think in all of your life, social and cultural life as well. Would you think so? Yes, I definitely do think so because on it, you can't. I, I was not doing well in the science course. I'm like, this is my only way out of this is to get off the cross country team, which I did. I know I should have. Usually, I don't quit in the mid season. That's not me. I don't quit like let's say I'm in a summer job. I don't quit mid season. I do finish up a season and then rethink things for the next semester, but. Because I was under so much stress with my academic, social life, I had to do it immediately. I couldn't wait to the end of the season. I know I refer to One Direction, Zane Hoopole, who left in the middle of the tour. Everyone was pissed off at him. Luckily, a lot of people, even the teammates, support, even all the athletes down, supported my decision of leaving early. But a lot of people, but like, it's just very. So, and when you're an athlete, you sometimes, I, when I was listening with the 
women's lacrosse team. I was sitting, I was sitting, and I was like sitting for a briefing on what I was doing. I was sitting with them, saying hi on the first day, and I was listening a little bit. They said that there, the coaches basically own you, and when you join the NCAA, they own you. It's you, like a miniature version of the military. Yeah, it is because they basically. You gotta do, you gotta basically make you do like let's say I know the football team for example to use them, they lift. It's they're, they're they're not in season right now, but every day except on Thursdays they have to and Saturday and Sundays they have to do morning lifts at seven a.m. Like are you? That's why I went wake. I'm like the whole football team's here eating bacon egg and cheese because they're just doing crazy lifts. I was like, wow, that's insane. You you never get sleep. You never sleep basically. You're an athlete. You don't sleep because you're up at six doing six a.m. practices. And then class, and then common hour, you're practicing on the field again, if not later on. A quick question. Do you think some of this is necessary? I mean, because we might expect that all these intense exercises and more would be the cost of winning games or succeeding in athletics, and potentially if you want to get a sports career, go there. What do you think? I mean, yes and no. I mean, the good thing is you get a good workout out of all this stuff. But the bad news is kids are not sleeping, and a lot of kids, I hate to tell you this, are failing out of school as a result of this. I've seen some kids have bombed out of school, they say, because oh. of drugs and alcohol, because people do party on this campus. That's the other thing. They make you be got a lot of athletes kind of get in trouble if they party. When they party a lot, they have to, they go, they'll eventually get drug tested, and they find stuff in their system. They're booted off the team and they're booted out of school because they lost their scholarship. Yeah. They're on scholarship. They lost everything. And it's wow. sad. You've seen this on this campus? Mm-hmm. I've wow. seen I saw somebody from one of the teams here got kicked off the campus because that individual had marijuana in, her, in their system. And they were drug tested. And they said, get out. Good, nice playing. Goodbye. And they, they lost the scholarship. And they lost everything. And someone from another team got booted out because of because they're partying too much and like they're not waking up time for classes because they're they're not they don't want to not wake up for class i think they're so tired they just want to sleep in because they never sleep i've seen like and also what else i feel like is wrong in the ncaa they made these athletes practice in the cold freezing rain i'm like well i saw the lacrosse teams practicing the cold freezing rain i'm like it's raining and the fields are soaking wet and they're shoveling all the snow and like it's crazy i can't believe that they it's would hard. they would do this because you're, it's really cold, freezing, I mean, and it's pouring rain. But I mean, they do. I can't say anything because honestly, they they're on turf. They're on turf field, which doesn't flood like other fields flood. If it was on a field flooded, you can't practice. But because of, they can, they also shovel the field too. But it's when you're on the NCAA, it's very, 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 very tense, and a lot of people. It's just hard work. And what else gets me pissed off in the NCAA? There's been a lot of not here, but other colleges. There's been a lot of sexual like interactions like the like this Jerry Sandusky case in Penn State, Larry Nasser from Michigan State abusing all these athletes and that's what else scares me at the NCAA there's been a lot of that stuff too. I mean I think recently in the school newspaper there was a case of sexual harassment or assault that I've seen in the paper and that our paper reported on this campus. And do you have any insight on that? Sexual assault. I mean it wasn't the Pratt I don't think but I gotta look at it again but it was somewhere I mean I mean, it's not surprising it's going to happen on a college campus. It's a college campus. Sexual assaults can happen everywhere. But it's disgusting what they did, whoever the individual did, and justice should be served to him or her, whoever did that stuff. And that sexual harassment and sexual assaults are terrible and they're disgusting. Yeah. And the, those are those are crimes are called dark figure crimes because 
they're unreported because the people who have done the, the perpetrators who have done it to the, the victims are friends of theirs who take advantage of them and they're too scared to report it. And know? also because of the personal nature of these crimes, it could be a little hard. It could be he said, she said, and it could go on and on. Yeah, that's that's a problem. You got and there's there's not really. They do in rooms where there's no evidence that they did it because there's no cameras in the room. The only way to get it these days is... If the Nobody's cam- going to have public sex any of the time of the week, so we're not going to get evidence from that, for for God's sakes. Yeah, I f- it's just crazy. And, like, I saw that the shell bus was hit by another car and that somebody did donuts on the turf field, the practice field. Oh, yeah, and th- are you talking about the new Pioneer issue, which I reported on? Yeah, the crime blogger, someone... Some, some two people from, <laughs> some people from it's some two people from the outside no no one no, I don't think they were students from outside they drove onto the practice field not the turf field not the Beth Page field the one the stadium the turf fields where the practice pra- the rugby the football team practices on they did donuts on there I was like really I was like and I still I realized that there was a driveway by Beth Page Stadium that gate where vehicles can drive onto the field like what if someone does that at the field I hope they don't come back I'm a, that's what I'm scared of I certainly hope they don't do anything worse Oh God! I mean, there's and there's a lot of like, there's been a lot of stuff, some some weird stuff on this campus. But it's a college campus. There's going to be some stuff. You can't be. Yeah. So, when you went into criminal justice, do you hope eventually, if you get a career, to deal with some of these issues or address some of these concerns? Especially when you mentioned the athletes who are getting chewed up and spit out once they're spotted with drugs or alcohol. Do you think your future vocation might be of help to these kids and? Adults who are going through a lot of problems? Absolutely, because a lot of these kids might need to go to get some help instead of, like, or might getting kicked out. What they should do is send them to, like, a drug treatment program or to Alcoholics Anonymous. Because I was thinking of, like, doing something when I get out of here, when I graduate, is teach a class on to freshmen about alcohol abuse. Because a lot of kids who are freshmen abuse alcohol so much, and they're underage, which is, like, you first of all, it's illegal. Because and I think it's a problem with the law, too, so... Go on, I'll explain more on this later on. And basically, that's a lot of, like, I've been to a lot of parties off campus where the cops have cracked down. Like, this is this year, there's been a lot of crackdowns on all these underage bars. Whoa. Like, in the Hofstra Strip, there's no more bars existing because the police busted the bars. They're serving underage kids, which I disagree with. The drinking age should be 18 in this country. I actually, I actually agree it should be 18 as a first step. I think it should eventually be abolished, but we'll get into that on another day. Yeah, because it's just, it's very, very, it's just very crazy how that... And I think it's a cruel law in some ways that we still don't recognize on the surface. And we kind of go on as if it was normal and we accept it. And I don't think we should accept it. Exactly. And people, a lot of kids, like, they're they're like just, a lot of kids fail their first year because they drink so much alcohol and they drink so much at parties. They basically forget all their academics and they basically don't, like, don't... Get, be able to do assignments on time. Don't cancel every test. Can't do anything. And like basically, I've, I some kids have asked me for homework. I'm like, I, I'm like suspicious. Okay, this kid didn't. This kid didn't do some. Some kid asked me in one of my classes a couple semesters ago, what was the paper? How long did the paper have to be? I'm like, it's a ten page paper. Did you start yet? I'm like, he said no. I was like, uh oh. And I and I said, okay, this is why you don't party every single weekend because alcohol can take over. Can make you sick gain weight and it can make you fail in life with academics kids can't a lot of kids don't graduate college what's the one one of the main reasons is alcohol that's why i'm trying to say that i want to teach a class to these freshmen 
so they won't abuse it, so we can, can learn instead of that their freshman year not to abuse alcohol too much. That way, kids can graduate on time. And so, when you say like not abuse alcohol, you're not quite advocating an abstinence program. You're advocating a kind of moderation, if I'm right. Um, I'm basically trying. I will teach them the safety of alcohol, show scenarios, what to do, blah blah blah. I mean, they do have a train program, like what they have, like they have to take. They have to do like this program on alcohol and safety. I mean, some people just rush through and don't care. I was going to do it and I made sure I was careful. Made sure I'm very good to help people when like they're drunk or have you. I'm very. I'm basically showing if I see my friend. I've helped my friends that have been drunk, and basically I say to myself, "This is why you don't drink. Don't drink too much beers any more than you can handle." That's why a lot of people don't know their limits. Like I know my limits, but unfortunately, a lot of kids don't know their limits. And sometimes they could get into the disease realm as people can get alcoholic. Yeah, and then all of a sudden they can't. They fail out of jobs. We had one of my my dad, one of our family friends, was an alcoholic, and unfortunately. He ended up in a coma, almost died. This close, but because they had to pump, they had to pump so much alcohol out of his system. This was years of alcohol drinking. He, he would drink vodka like it was water. I'm like, and I've seen people. I've seen some people who I, I saw somebody who's going to school. This girl was a freaking alcoholic, and Wait, hey. it was just like she would drink alcohol. Like she drink her vodka. Like I said, it was like it was water, and she would drink every single weekend. And she graduated, luckily. But I'm surprised. Like, how'd she do this? All the drinking, don't know how she do, it, but if it was me, maybe the providence of God could help. Could have explained that. Yeah, you could say that too. But you just gotta be mindful when drinking or where you are. And like, if you're at parties and if a fight ever breaks out, just go, just leave. Don't get like, out of there. Yeah, don't just make an Irish exit. Don't like, <laughs> like when, when I'm with my family. My family has taught me to like say goodbye, thank the person for having you, blah blah blah. But like in these situations. If you are in a situation where you have to, where a fight is breaking out at a party, just leave and then text the person later. Thanks for having me. How to get out of there? I've been in those situations. You just gotta when cause when you see a verbal argument happening, and it's going there's a ninety percent chance that it will turn into a physical argument at a party. You just gotta run. You've seen any, you've seen any of these fights on campus? Would you care to share anything about them or no? There was a fight. There was a fight I witnessed on campus. This was at a parking lot party back in November. This individual was harassing two women and what happened was the women were like he they said please stay away from me and all of a sudden um the guy kept the guy was two 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 of his friends were holding him and were holding they wouldn't let him eat and they broke out of the restraints ran towards the woman again bought them again they're like leave me alone and then two other guys got him and held him down until and they need like a whole squadron to hold this kid down because he was <laughs> harassing. He was so drunk. He was harassing these two women. Which brings me back to the law because once you've criminalized it for eighteen-year-olds, they sometimes find themselves in these positions where they overdrink and find themselves having to be held on by a whole squadron of people. Yeah, it's and it's just crazy. Like you can't. You just you can't. People. That's you gotta be careful of what you drink and what goes in. Like that's why. Like, if you ever go to a bar, like, avoid, that's why avoid shots, avoid hard liquor if you can, because hard liquor will compromise you. When you're so drunk, your brain's compromised. You're not, usually people don't do this stuff. They act like a little, like, a lot of drunks, because I've been to the bars all, like, for the last three, two or three years. They act like little kids. They act like little children, like 21-year-old bodies, maybe 18-year-old bodies. And then they just, they just 
start they harass pe- random people they start stuff with people and they just you're talking about underage drinking right or even uh, even even when you're 21 people don't know their limits they get they drink all the shots to compromise their brain and they do stuff they may not even mean but they're doing it because they're so drunk but the thing is a lot of this stuff like social media when they post their drunk social media gets them later on in life it gets them when the work world or like when they come to work drunk they miss work or they fail out of school and they can't get a job because they don't have a high school, college diploma, it, alcohol will get them later in life. It'll just, they'll get them. That's why it's good to learn early instead of too little, too late. And also maybe look into the cultural history of alcohol, see how it was drunk before, and see how people avoided getting drunk or coped with that. Yeah. I've, I've heard people suggest that European drinking cultures might have some value in terms of what we can learn from them. Albeit Irish people have a tendency to drink a lot. Yeah, I mean Ireland. That's Ireland. A lot of people do drink. That's where it all started. Ireland's the main drinking country around the world because they love Irish. They love to drink their Guinness. That's the main drink in Ireland. And a lot there's a lot of big drinking fests that happen in Long Island over the year, like St. Patty's Day, which is coming up almost in a month. That's gonna be a lot of that's a big drinking fest. Then you also have Oktoberfest, which is a German drinking fest in October. Then you also have New Year's Eve. Which is a huge drinking fest, and that's a lot, which brings you back to my point of criminal justice. Those are the days where the cops make a lot of money, busting people and writing tickets, because they deal with, that's the biggest, those those three days I probably mentioned, are the biggest D-Week days, DWI days, it's most likely, if not, New Year's. Because New Year's, a lot of people, it's cold at night, they pass out, and St. Patty's Day is a big one, it's a lot of drinking fests on college campuses, a lot of that's a big alcohol day. It's a big one of the biggest alcohol days of the year. And Long Beach, where I live, does Irish Day every October, and that's a big drinking day in Long Beach, where the streets are closed, the festivals, but then a lot of a lot of drinking happens a lot, and especially after, after two o'clock in the afternoon, like in and like my when you go to bars, my advice, my friend told me this advice is is don't stay after two a.m. because that's when bad stuff starts to happen, like fights. People are drunk on the road, de- driving, crashing into cars, and even all the Ubers and Lyfts start filling up at one in the morning. You can't get a lift home. You can't wait for like two or three hours getting our empty lift because everyone's heading home. And like, and I've been, t- I've this past summer I went to a bar. I've been, I was there past two a.m. and a giant fight broke out. And I was like, oh my god, this is why a lot of kids don't know. Two a.m. You got it's time to get out of there. One 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 thirty. You want to be out of the bars from ten to one thirty is probably the best time to go to the bars because that's when also if you if you go too little too late to a bar, the line can be out the door. You can wait an hour to get into a bar because because of maximum capacity situations, and that's why a lot's why my advice to a lot of people is is to basically you should leave the you should not stay at the bar past two a.m. because a lot of the bad stuff will happen. Which also brings me to a kind of semi-related point about celebrations and violence. We saw Philadelphia Eagles fans acting all violently and breaking lampposts or climbing them after the Philadelphia Eagles team won. I would say Philadelphia Eagles fans are really horrid, and they're not the only horrid fans out there, of course. Yeah, what was that about? I've never seen something like that. I would expect them to riot when their team lost. That's a shot. That's a very confusing situation. Like, why would they riot when your team won? I mean, they're like, why would they? And I mean, maybe because I mean, maybe Philadelphia is the city of brotherly love. But I mean, why would you riot? It's a big irony. Philadelphia founded by a peaceful Quaker, and then you have its citizens acting all violent 
and thuggish. I mean, you. I don't get it. Like, people are just starting with people. They're acting violent. Their team won the first Super Bowl in history. They, they, and they act violent. Like, I've seen all the other Super Bowl parties. People are calm. They celebrate. They're cheering on. They may have a little too much alcohol, but that's another story. It's otherwise a kind of orderly situation, comparatively. Yeah, you could basically say that part. But, honestly, that was crazy right in Philadelphia. I've never seen something like that. I saw a video. I'm like, are you... Oh my god. Glad it was not there. Let's bask in our New York superiority to these fanatics and thugs. But at the same time, we should be careful that we don't end up in such situations ourselves. Exactly. We should not We should not be... We gotta be careful to avoid bad situations. Like, if you see something that's not right, the MTA even says this. If, or, wait, just, excuse me, Jersey Transit has a thing, thing, the Jersey Transit Transit Police say, if you see something not right, it probably isn't. Same for the MTA and NYPD. If you see something, say something. A lot of people should learn how to speak up. They see something that's not right. Because like at a party, if you go to a party and you see something that's not right, looks a little, let's say, fishy, it probably isn't right. Because there's a lot of stuff that goes on at parties. Like a lot of college parties, the biggest thing is people take advantage of women. And eventually they... And it also happens the other way around, or less so? Yeah, it happens. A lot of women at college parties around the United States have been raped because these drunk guys take advantage of them. Even though they're passed out, doesn't mean you got to learn consent. Yeah, got consent. When they're drunk, they can't do this thing. And regarding some of the issues, before we close, the issues that were in Dowell in college, do you see any of these issues being repeated at LIU Post? Um, yes, I do. The thing that I see, I've heard some staff has been laid off, and I've also seen that they've cut, been cutting corners with some programs here. Like, what are some of the programs they cut corners with? Like they've cut corners with, like they've cut like no more Broadway show trips with the SGA, no more Brookville shuttle stop. It's angered a lot. A lot of students pissed off, especially a residential student who, when I go home on th- a lot of Thursdays, most Thursdays, I've used to use the Brookville shuttle stop to go home on the bus. That was the that was for the residents. It was a very reliable stop. And now if that gone, no one no one wants to walk away to Hillwood. They want they just take Ubers and Lyfts, which is cost them money. The bus is free. They should add, they should consider adding that shuttle stop back next school year. Do you think combinations of departments and programs could also be a problem? I think it could be because of the issue of centralization, which could lead to inefficiency among other problems. Yes, I agree. Now with LIU campus life now being promise. I don't like the name Promise. I like Campus Life better. I think that was they should rethink putting back Campus Life the one into an, one entity instead of having everything fused into one. It's centralization's kind of scared me, especially with our times we're living in right now, of our president, and I feel like everything might be one thing eventually. It's kind of scary. Of course, there are theories of the one world government, and I, whether or not these are far fetched, I think the concern about centralization in general is a real thing, and we should pay attention to that. Definitely, especially what's going on right now. So, anything else you want to say, or that'll be it? I just want to say, hopefully, they. it was a pleasure to be happy on the show or not. I it really, was a pleasure to have you. I really appreciate it, and I can't wait to do more of these in the future. So, this is Anand Zanigala from the Letter of Liberty. Tune in next time for our next guest.
Like what you hear? Here's how you can let us know. Give us a call at 516-299-2626 or email us at info at wcwp.org. Like us at facebook.com slash mywcwp and leave a comment or tweet us at mywcwp. We welcome all kinds of feedback. To directly support the podcast you just enjoyed, leave a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you'd like to give back, visit wcwp.org and click the support tab. Thanks for listening from your friends at WCWP.